have had a good time watching this one, right? <laughs> I say that because you love montages. You're just so good for montages. And this movie has like 17 montages in it. You know what? Montages make me super happy. Um, on that, the very first page of my yeah. notes, I wrote down montage of fights. Yes, yes, yes. There you go. It was more It was more yeah. montage than regular scenes. <laughs> I definitely gave it credit for its montages. And maybe this is part of where like my love for montages started was action movies from this time. So I don't actually remember watching Bloodsport all the way through. I, of course, remember scenes or pieces from it, but I don't have a clear recollection of watching the full thing before. That's surprising to me a little bit. It's one of those movies that was always on TV. And so I would I, I don't think I ever saw it start to finish until years after it first came out. But I remember seeing like you'd always see bits and pieces. It'd be like anytime you see Jean-Claude Van Damme with no shirt on, roundhouse kicking somebody in a fight pit, <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah, Bloodsport. There we go. Yeah, and and I got all the Bloodsport references growing up. I knew because it pops into popular culture quite a bit. And I definitely knew and had recollections of it similar to you. I think it was just something where I'd seen pieces on TV but never sat down. And and that sort of surprised me because I was a huge kind of Kung Fu fan. I'm not the sort of movie buff of the two of us here, but I right. loved Kung Fu movies. Like okay. I, I watched a lot. I have all the Bruce Lee movies on DVD and like I was into those genres. I love the silly like 2000s Crouching Dagger, Hidden Dragon kind of Kung Fu action stuff too. So I, I don't know why I don't remember this more. Anything with kicks. You like movies with kicking. <laughs> I love kicking. There you go. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, welcome back to Bad Movies and Beer. We are returning from our mid-season break. And it felt it felt longer than it was, I feel. I, I missed, I missed uh, <laughs> sitting down here to record. Oh, I definitely missed it a lot. Um, I'm really happy to be back. Uh, I wanted to throw a thank you to all of the people who have listened. We had a lot of family and friends sort of support us and share some feedback. And then lots of people we didn't know. Yeah, we've made some new friends, actually, through the, uh, through the podcast happening. And we've got, for our, the second half of our first season, we've had a couple of requests for episodes. So we're going to have a couple of, you know, social media follower requests. Four episodes coming up. We've got a lot of good stuff planned. Yeah, I'm so, excited you know. to do those. I'm really happy to be sort of going for some of the fan requests. That's going to be really enjoyable. Well, and our bonus episode that we put out during our break was like a request from someone who actually made a movie and asked us to review it. And we're like, absolutely. Yeah. Um, love that idea. Really appreciate that request to watch that movie and, and create an episode on it. If anyone else has more of those, please do throw them our way. Yeah, we're not afraid to uh, take a look at, you know, whatever you guys have to offer. So really appreciate that. And again, thanks to everyone who has followed us on Twitter and Instagram and who's listened to the podcast. We really appreciate you. And we look forward to putting out some more good content for you, yeah. starting with Bloodsport. Blood I'm so excited. Kumite. Kumite. <laughs> JCVD, the muscles from Brussels. Oh, man, yes. alive. That dude. He just burst on the scene, and this is kind of the movie that did it. Like I know he, I think Kickboxer was before this. This could be another the thing that I was wrong about, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure Kickboxer came first. But Bloodsport yeah. is the one that really drove it home for me. Yeah, I remember very clearly some of his movies growing up. For me, this isn't the one that sticks out. I had this huge love of Cyborg, the sort of cyberpunk post-apocalyptic kung fu movie that he's a part of. So. Uh, maybe one day we'll get a chance to do that one. That was one of my favorites for sure. That's pretty bad. Oh, it's awful. That's a pretty like, bad it, movie. It would deserve to be on our podcast. For sure. I think so. Yeah. So uh, for those of you who are maybe tuning in for the first time or if it's been so long that you've forgotten the way this works, we watch the movie. Uh, we talk about the movie. We drink a beer that kind of relates to the movie in some way, shape or form. And today, our beer that we are drinking 
I think relates to it quite a bit. Yeah, this is awesome. It's called Bloodvar, and the text on it even looks like the title for Bloodsport on the DVD, which is sweet. And this is from a, a Toronto craft brewery called Blood Brothers. Uh, they are one of my favorites. Recently, we've been able to order a lot more beer from craft breweries, and Blood Brothers has been one that I've been going back to the well over and over again with some of their incredible beers. Yeah, it's one of my favorite places too. Great spot in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And like you said, the font just looks like the Bloodsport font. I'm excited to get into this, man. We should crack these open. Yeah, it's called a Pilsner-ish beer. Uh, so it's some sort of Pilsner-style lager, and we'll see what it tastes like. Ooh, a little spray, but nothing major. Cooper's having a little malfunction here. Oh, he's got it. Good Lord, that took a while. <laughs> All right, so we open with the first of many montages. We're right into it for you. <laughs> yeah, we get like this sort of pan into a city, some sort of stereotypical Asian music. We got construction. They're building the uh, the fight pit for the Kumite. Yeah. And we get a lot of fight training from uh, random dudes who some of them aren't even important. <laughs> so yeah, there were lots of these. I actually paused several times to, so I could sort of take a note on who the fighters were going to be. I also wanted to mention that very quickly we got our first introduction of what I call the Phil Collins drums. Okay, yeah. The, the <laughs> and the band. musical notes are so yeah. on the tone. There's probably a better way to describe those. I know Phil Collins didn't create Oh, it's those, in the but, air today, but that's what yeah, everyone thinks of it. That's, that's exactly song. what it sounds like yeah. to me. Um, but yeah, we get that sweet montage of all the fighters. I'm super excited. I like their different training methods. Some of them are sparring. One dude is smashing ice blocks. They're smashing boards. That one guy is busting coconuts. Like he's chopping coconuts with his bare hands. Climb trees to get to it too. His fighting style confused me a lot. And maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more. I also wondered if it was problematic. I was trying to think of a way to refer, like to describe the fighting style, and I couldn't think of one that wouldn't sound racist. Yeah. So, so I'm like, we're just not gonna. Oh, it's got a we can mention style. it, but we're gonna talk about its unique fighting style. The one was really weird to me. The training was like on a beach island. I called it Island Fight Club, but I didn't really understand what was happening. The one that confused me because he never shows up again. He's there's like some rich dude. He seems like super rich. He's got like some mansion. He's like a butler. We get the impression that he's gonna be someone important. He just never shows up again. Like half these guys, we see them for like little snippets later on in different mon. Montages. Yeah, I don't know. I guess they, they just needed to make those montages look more representative of all the possible tough guys. I guess. Now, we do get a closer introduction to a couple of characters, including Jackson, the large, burly, bearded guy who eventually becomes friends with Jean-Claude Van Damme. And in his little uh, scene here, he fires off a couple of great just action movie cliches. I love anything with full contact. Need a few more scars on my face. It's just like generic tough guy talk. To <laughs> yeah, really he, I think I termed is. him Ray, right? His first name's Ray? I think so. Yeah, so I think someone mentions to him that they heard he can get killed, and he goes, only if you fuck up. And I thought that fuck, was man, really What a meathead. Oh. He had a beer in his hand 95% of the time he was yeah. on screen, which was uh, pretty He's a fun loving guy. like American. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love the way they ended the montage. The lights go out on the ring. Like, yeah. I just thought that was perfect, right? They finished prepping it. It was it's clean, ready. and it just shoots down. I was hyped. After that montage, I was ready for Bloodsport. Well, and it doesn't take long to get into it. Now, before we leave for the Kumite, we introduce Captain Frank Dukes, who is, of course, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And we gather he's in the army and that they don't want him going to the Kumite. So he slips out. And before he takes off to go to Hong Kong, he goes and visits his old mentor. And now we get these flashbacks. <laughs> Holy Lord. Okay, before we get into the flashback, I was confused at very first when he started talking. Because I know he's from Brussels, right? And I think, yep. so English isn't his first language, no. but it made it sound to me right when it started that he was trying to speak in an American accent. 
if he is trying to do an accent, he's doing a terrible fucking job. Well, I was going to shit all over him. Like that was my yeah. plan right now <laughs> yeah. until they changed it because that accent um, really was just a mix of his and what he thought or it sounded like an American accent was. Yeah. It was well now, yeah. but speaking of accents, in the flashback, we get three kids breaking into a house to steal like a sword. Oh, God. And the kid who plays young Jean-Claude Vidam, I don't know what accent he's speaking with. It's it's terrible. He's so bad. He's terrible. You can't even understand him. He's like, so bad that yeah. I was actually kind of like for a second I had to be like, is there something wrong with him? Because yes. like this he's so bad. He's the worst actor I've it, ever seen in my life. It did seem like he had a speech impediment. And and I mean, maybe it was uh, no, I'm not even going to make a joke from it because it is just really bad acting. Uh, he was horrible. And then when they go to the flashback with the other little kid. Well, so yeah. he ends up, the owner catches them trying to steal this sword. The other two kids run off. Young Jean-Claude Van Damme just stays there. And the owner tells him that you can't steal a katana. Okay, you have to earn it. Young Jean-Claude Van Damme says he wasn't going to steal it, which is complete horseshit. And the guy <laughs> cuts off the brim of his hat. Now, yeah. young, young Jean-Claude Van Damme doesn't flinch, which the owner takes to mean that he's got fighting spirit. But I think it means that he's just too dumb and scared to react. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, I think he, the actor tried to portray an internal struggle on whether he should take that sword or not. Clearly, he was going with some kids that he was trying to fit in with. It, we, we learned that he's a new kid to the school and he's trying to fit in by going to steal the sword. And he was really struggling with that sense of whether he should steal it or not. You read a lot more from his completely blank <laughs> facial expression than I did. Oh. Anyway, the owner spares him and decides to bring him in to train with his son. And th God, these scenes are just awful. He yeah. rescues the kid from some bullies. Is this what you're going to talk about? Yeah, there's this bullying scene where the person he was trying to steal from, his son, is getting beat up at school. And the JCVD Jr., breaks up that fight and both the way that he breaks it up and then sort of the way that they kind of like agree to be friends and look out for each other is incredibly bad. It's worse than like a kindergarten performance. The acting's terrible. The choreography is terrible. These do not look like realistic kicks or punches from any of these kids. It looks like it was filmed on a super cheap phone, but we know that mobile phones are like no, Cell phones didn't exist bad. back so then. It was wooden. just really, really poorly it's done. Terrible. Yeah. It's really bad. This, it's probably the worst section of the movie. Oh my god, by, by a long, hot mile. Yeah, Are you kidding me? Shot. And I don't know why it was so bad. Like, I know I why. Know it's because young Jean-Claude Van Damme is horrendous. <laughs> I'm trying not to throw out the worst acting performance I've ever seen. It is because the worst I've said acting so performance that I've ever seen. And yeah. and like we always throw this out there, but like he's got to be someone's kid, right? They must have been like, no, it has to be. <laughs> Somebody must have been like, I nearly spit took my beer all over there, but you're right. That has to be a relative of someone on set. Otherwise, they wouldn't have hired this. I guy. cannot believe they would have held auditions and seen that kid and be like, he's the one. Does he actually have like an, an accent from Brussels or something? Maybe they picked the only kid from Belgium in America that could do that role. I and don't want to laugh that's, at that. That's okay. why. <laughs> Yeah. He's terrible. So we got to make fun of his acting. We can't make fun of. Uh, well, I part of it. would. That's yeah. not going to be hard to do because his acting is atrocious. The son of the owner who they're trying to steal the sword from tells young Jean Claude Van Damme that someday he'll fight in the Kumite and make his father proud. But as we find out later on, the son actually ends up dying. He passes away. We don't really find out how. Yeah, but... I was really confused. So very quickly we transfer from this like horrible childhood acting to. When they're they're older, right? They're sort of older teenagers or young yep. adults, and we don't get any explanation of why the son is dead. It like sort of just clips to like a memorial of the dead son. And then we cut to after the memorial, where 
a slightly less young Jean-Claude Van Damme. He wants the training that I guess the son was going to receive from his father. Uh, he wants to do it to honor uh, this guy's name is Tanaka and allow him to pass on the teaching. But Tanaka quickly shoots that down by telling him, you are not Japanese. You are not a Tanaka. He gets really dark too, right? He starts talking about a history of his family and his family was killed in Hiroshima. And he's like the only one escapes and that this is his second family yeah. here in America. So he's, he's now lost a second son. Yeah. And so he will not train him because yeah he's not japanese but he does jcvd won't give up right like yeah so he's got the fighting spirit (laughs) so yes so he agrees then to train jcvd and we get another montage and can i just say thank goodness we said goodbye to young jean-claude van damme because that guy was a horrible anchor just dragging this whole movie down (laughs) with his awful accent his horrible acting and his incredibly incredibly severe case of dumb face just dragging the whole thing down. So this poor kid who is like, I don't know, maybe 12 or 14, you're just ragging on him so hard. I wonder if he ever oh made a movie God. before. you got to IMDb this guy later and see. I know he didn't he make a movie afterwards. Who would have watched this and been like, let's hire this fucking guy? God, he's so bad. All right, so they get into it. He accepts to train him, and they get into our first training montage here. And this is just him getting his ass kicked the whole time. But there's also a couple of cutscenes where, like, doing that thing where, like, you mirror somebody else's movements. <laughs> so they're sitting there cross-legged, and, like, Tanaka's, like, moving his hands. And the karate kid kind of uh, training yeah. stuff that we see in there. Yeah, he is just getting pummeled. And it is oh a long God. montage. Like, I call it, it a is. montage, but this is, like, five to seven minutes of runtime where Jean-Claude is just getting fucked up. We also get a lot of blindfold work in this scene, which ends up being important for later. He's like serving some tea without like being able to see. And then at one point, Tanaka goes to try and chop him in the face and he catches the chop even though he's blindfolded because <laughs> now his, his senses are heightened from this training, I yeah, guess. Yeah, he's been getting his ass kicked for seven minutes of montage time, which must be like months of real life time. I did also note that it turns into almost like fucking torture. He drawn quarters him. Well, this is how this ends. Yeah, this montage ends with the old man, Jean-Claude is meditating. And the old man is just beating the shit out of him with the stick while he <laughs> meditates. But then, yeah, like you said, he, he they end up hanging him up. They, they've got a rope on each arm and each leg. And they are. They're literally drawing a cord again. But then the ropes snap. So I guess that means he passes? I don't, yeah, I don't really understand. Yeah, he, he meditated through the pain and controlled his body so that he could break the the structure that was holding him there that was drawing cord him. So he, he got there. And then guess what happens? He, like, knights him. Yeah. It's so strange. Yeah, he he sort of tells him he he is worthy enough to now represent his family in the in the Kumite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we also have a lot of drums here. I had to write down all oh, the drums. <laughs> so many drums. Yeah, in the air tonight was really blaring. So now we end the flashback. He says goodbye to his mentor, uh who is much older. He's kind of in bad health now. Um, this is this is their farewell. What I noticed though was that when his master was laying in bed, they didn't age him at all. No. <laughs> they tried to yeah, say he like, was older, but he looked like a 35-year-old man. Hey, man, you know what they say. Asian don't raise him. <laughs> You've heard that before. That's a, that's a real saying. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, boy. He looks great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that has anything to do with his lineage. I think but that mostly has dude, to do with bad, bad movie making. Oh, I disagree. Yeah, yeah. I think that they could have filmed this 20 years before and then filmed this scene in the present day. Oh, exactly the same. The same. Okay. Guy looks great. Uh, Saw him the other day. It looks terrific. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so we now, we're off to Hong Kong. It's time for the Kumite. Uh, on a streetcar, he just immediately meets Jackson. Jackson's there hitting on a lady. And speaking of ladies, the reporter, there's a reporter in town, and she is trying to find out about the Kumite. 
Now, before we get more information on her, we got a little video game showdown between Jackson and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, of course, Jean-Claude Van Damme wins, despite having absolutely zero experience. And they realize they're both in town for the Kumite. If you want to see some real fighting, you can see me fight at the Kumite. I'm here, too, for the Kumite. Aren't you a little young for full contact? Aren't you a little old for video games? And just like that, <laughs> they're the best of friends. Yeah. That was a pretty funny scene. It was it was funny watching them play an arcade game together. An ancient one. Yeah, throwing in some quarters. But that was like an early martial arts fighting one, and Jean-Claude clearly had the technique down. Um, it was that moment when he said, aren't you a little young, really hit me. Like, I actually like reflected on it a sec, because I was always so young watching Jean-Claude Van Damme movies yep. that I never thought of him as a young man. But clearly he is, right? In this movie, oh, yeah. he's at the very start of his career. Oh, my God. He's at least 10 years younger than we are now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But for some reason, I was just I always picture Jean-Claude as like a mature ass kicker. Not he's got a, a face that he's got a face that just looks mature. He's like a man's face. He yeah. doesn't have a boy's face. He looks like a grown man. Not the kid who played him, of course, in the flashback scene. <laughs> that kid looks like a what? You won't let this poor kid go. Oh, God, he's the Man, worst. I mean, I shouldn't. Uh, I'm not going to judge you for your perspective because I've shit on lots of people in this podcast. Yes, um, you have. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't dig a grave for this kid anymore. Back um, uh, backstage side, we've got the military police. They're looking for Frank Dukes. They ask Mrs. Tanaka if he was headed to Hong Kong, but they already know the answer to that. She doesn't give them any information. They know. Why are they even there? Just shaking the tree? Come on. We get a little Force Whitaker. Yeah, that's right. He's one of the two military yeah, police officers. I was, is... I was a little surprised for a second. Um, he really doesn't do a lot in this. Back at the hotel in Hong Kong, Frank and Jackson meet Mr. Lin, who uh, he will be, I guess, like their handler. And this guy has just a world-class mullet. Oh, Victor is the best. Dude, if there was a kumite for mullets, this guy would win. <laughs> just hands down. He just run the table. He looks he is, incredible. He is great. He's hyping up the biggest kumite ever. Yep. Um, he's got amazing mullet. He's Constantly wearing, wearing tracksuits. And aviator sunglasses. It's yes. just like he is God. so good. And the energy in him. He has decided that this year is the year that a North American contender could do it. Yeah, this is actually, you said it's the biggest Kumite ever. And uh, he tells them, protect your nuts, guys, because uh, they're crossing into a particularly dangerous part of China. And sure enough, they travel down some real sketchy alleys to the uh, same door we saw actually in the beginning during the construction montage. This is the arena where the Kumite will be happening. Yeah, I like this part. It was interesting because they go, this is being held in Hong Kong. Like it's all takes place in Hong Kong, but in the alleys they take them, they they sort of say this is the Chinese part of Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like not the British uh, or like separate part of Hong Kong. And it, it was interesting to see that. They set a really good tone in here and there's some really cre creepy like synth music as they're going through. Yeah. And these sort of always become a part of the plot later in the story too. which They definitely do. Yeah. Uh, when they get in there, they have to show their invitations, and the people running the tournament do not believe that Jean-Claude Van Damme is from the Tanaka clan because, you know, he's a white guy. Not Japanese. Yeah. yeah. So in addition to his invitation, he also has to show them the Dim Mach, a.k.a. the Death Touch, mm -hmm. which he does by smashing a brick, which impresses Lin and Jackson, but does not impress Chong Lee. This is where we get the big baddie. He was the guy who was smashing ice blocks earlier, and he's played by Bolo Jung, the Chinese Hercules. <laughs> I didn't know anything about this character until we see him in the movie. He is quite an intimidating figure. That's why he was called the Chinese Hercules, bodybuilder. Yeah. Just uh, and he is he's very intimidating, and he sets a tone early on of oh, this is the guy. Don't fuck with this guy. Yeah, this you you knew they were building to something here. Oh, yeah. This is where you start to picture some sort of like for me. 
Uh, I, I often think of Rocky when I'm thinking of combat movies, and, sure. I, and I was starting to picture some like clearly this is going to be the sort of he's the Chinese fight. Ivan Drago. Yeah, 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 in a way, that's what I was thinking. Yes, exactly. So the military police who were looking for Frank Dukes are also in Hong Kong, and they're trying to get info on the Kumite. And there's a Chinese inspector they talk to who seems very hesitant to help or give out information. And there's, it seems to me like there's clearly a lot of power behind this tournament. Like it exists kind of in the shadows. And I kind of thought this inspector was like maybe trying to help protect that. Like maybe he's kind of in the pocket of like, like some kind of a mob. But this, this whole, his hesitation, this whole plot just goes nowhere. Um, I definitely felt that way too. Like uh, Inspector Chang, I think was his name. Yeah. And he, he just straight up tells them nothing can be done. Right. And, and I think you're right. I think the people who run the Kumite have a level of sort of influence within that community or that area of Hong Kong and can get away with a lot. Now, they do bring him back, um, yep. but he definitely caves pretty quickly in that second time around. And we can get into that more. But it was a strange sort of turn of face where he was no longer sort of protecting the people who were running it. Oh, I thought for sure he was going to be like a dirty cop and it was whatever. Because like it, his, his it, if he w- if he wanted to bring this thing down or wanted, why wouldn't he just be like, yes, great, let's do it. Like it seems strange that he was kind of very hesitant. Well, I think that for my interpretation of it was there's actually a level of respect for the Kumite, even though it is something that happens like behind the scenes. Okay. And it's not yeah. really like it's hush hush. You're not supposed to talk about it. Even the people in like power or positions, uh, roles like the police respect the Kumite and they want it to still continue um, until it proves a problem for them. And I think part of that turned, or maybe we'll get to it. I'll, I'll hold that for a little bit later, but I, I feel like there's a very specific reason why Inspector Chang turns in his way to sort of support that. Okay, fair enough. I just thought this scene was setting up something that never ended up happening. But back at the hotel, we see some of the other guys <laughs> in the Kumite getting a little aggressive with that reporter from earlier. Jean-Claude Van Damme, he makes the save, but since they can't fight or they get thrown out of the Kumite, you can't have any bar fights, they make a bet. If Jean-Claude Van Damme can snatch a coin from the guy's hand before he closes it, they're going to leave the reporter alone. And uh, this was great. I love this scene. So this was a good scene. The acting from the super stereotypical Middle Eastern guy, awful. He is so wooden and it clearly putting on an awful accent. Like your your hate for is this young one JCBD your... is also like this one for me is pretty close. This guy Sucks. Is this then one of your theories of the guy isn't actually the like cultural background he's portraying? So you I, love calling guys I, out for this. I, it's a problematic thing, right? You shouldn't <laughs> be doing that. And I have a real strong sense that the person who was in this role, they even darkened his color of skin. And I was like, that is rough. And I mean, I know that there's a time and place, right? Like this is a time. Oh, no, there isn't. Well, oh, no, no, no. So I mean, like, yeah, yes, like, yes, like, yes, I, yes, I'm yes. not saying yeah. that you should be doing this at different times. No, no, I'm yeah. saying that this is a... Of its era. Of its era, right? And we've learned from that era. But now, I, he's he's brutal. Now, the thing that he says about the woman, though, about the journalist is pretty ridiculous. He says, she's coming upstairs with me. Yeah. He Whether just, he she just wants to yeah. or not. Like, this is such rapey overtones. It's so bad. Oh, very much so. Yeah. But that's, I mean, you're in a testosterone. And again, not that this is okay, but like yeah. of its era, you're in a high testosterone era. These guys are probably just used to like, I'm going to take what I want yeah. because like I'm tough. And in, well, in most cases, no one can beat you. But not only does Jean-Claude Van Damme take the coin out of the guy's hand before he can close it. He replaces it with a different coin, which is incredible because he does it and the guy's like, ah, too slow. And I was like, really? And the dude opens his hand and it's not the same coin. It's like the other one was silver. This one's bronze. Yes. And everyone is just like, what? Their minds are blown. You flash back to some of the training when he was getting his ass fucking kicked. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can see where he got it from. So he saves the journalist 
and then immediately <laughs> comments about her nice legs. He tell you anything? He told me I had nice legs. He's right about that. Well, and like five <laughs> seconds later, they're walking and talking, and she yeah. wants info with the Kumite, and he only agrees to give her information if she'll have dinner with him. So now he's kind of like backdoor. Like it is hilarious, yeah. So he saves her from like having to go upstairs with this one creepy guy, and then he starts becoming the creepy guy. At least she's showing some interest in JCVD. So you're like, okay, but it is it, it is such a '80s '90s kind of interpretation of. Uh, well, he, he saves her, so now he gets her is how it works. That's exactly kind God of God damn happens. it. Yeah. So now we get – they're going to have dinner later. In the meantime, we get just a gratuitous Jean-Claude Van Damme split shot, which we have so many of these where it's him doing the splits for no fucking but reason. But this is, the, I think, maybe the most well-known one, right? Like this is the shot of JCVD full split on chairs. Complete 180 butterfly. Yeah. 180 degrees, straight, straight Topless, line. Topless, yeah. like doing his sort of meditation and exercises. And if, if you ask me to think of him, it's it's that moment. And then I think there's a moment in another movie where he does it above two countertops so he doesn't get electrocuted. Isn't that Cyborg? No, that's not in Cyborg. Or no, Time Cop. It's Time Cop. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, I think that's Time Cop. So... so but this one definitely sticks out. If you go look up like a JC uh, VD meme, you're gonna see this. Like it's the, gonna be well, there. For sure. The splits were kind of his yeah. thing, and it's it's incredibly impressive. He is just meditating hard right now. Jackson shows up. He's cracking some awful jokes, trying to talk to him. And drinking a beer? Well, of course. <laughs> this is how Jackson rolls. It's time for the Kumite. Yeah. He's trying to get him on the bus for the Kumite. Ugh. We see Lynn just decked out in an amazing white tracksuit. Oh my God. I don't know how much that tracksuit would have cost in the 80s. I would pay a fortune for it now. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so it's, we get the opening ceremonies of the Kumite. The master of ceremonies kind of gives us some more backstory on the Kumite's history. And now it's fight time. So we learn there are three ways to win. Knockout, submission, or you throw the fucker right off the runway. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this. This is a cool building this sort of tension, getting almost into the like, Mortal Kombat. Like, you get that feeling, so. right? You, yeah. It's starting to come. What I didn't understand was why were all the instructions and everything that came with it in English? I was kind of pissed off. I come was on, like, man. You know why. You know why. Well, I know why, <laughs> but I feel like they could have made us read for at least one minute of the film, and I would have appreciated it better. I would have done it for sure, but I think they just went the, the shorter route, which is they're probably filming this in the States. I mean, who knows if those guys actually spoke Chinese or whatever. Like, just, you know. <sighs> It, yeah, but if we're we're having the best kumite, the biggest kumite ever, the amazing like happening in Hong Kong, the organizers who don't speak like almost at all other than this moment should have spoken in fucking Chinese. Well, especially considering no North American has ever won, you get the impression that it's usually a Chinese guy winning, and so that yeah, should be. This is kind an of Asian tournament. This isn't. There's something some cultural different. pride here for sure. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed weird. Now this is where, and God help me, you know I love this. We get the title finally at about uh, almost about 37 minutes into this movie <laughs> because during these fight clips, a punch bloody someone. Jackson leans over to Jean-Claude Van Damme and says, that's why they call this thing Bloodsport, kid. I'm like, oh, yes, please. Uh, I put some exclamation marks in your name down in my notes for that moment. I was like, this <laughs> Every is probably time. getting a plus one from Cooper. Check right it here. off. I also noticed that this became a big betting thing. So oh, yeah. that sort of pulls in some of your ideas around maybe the police or others are involved in this. or There might be other things back there. Definitely. So speaking of Jackson, he's fighting next. He takes some punishment and then just clubs his opponent over the head and the fight is over. And then he calls out Chong Lee and then goes back to his seat. 
Jean-Claude Van Damme is like, oh, good job, even though it clearly wasn't. Like, that was a terrible fight strategy. He just gets punched <laughs> 17 times and just, like, bonks someone in the head and fucking calls it, it a day. It was funny, yeah. So the, it was in the very first fight that we get the Bloodsport reference, and then Ray's in the second fight. He's, like, drinking a beer right after. It is so comical, his character. But why does he point out Chong Lee? He knows. Well, you know why. Yeah, because well, know. he he is going to be, keeping the Rocky Four metaphor yeah. going, he's going to be the Apollo Creed who goes out there and gets slaughtered by fucking Chong Lee. This was the moment that I immediately drew to there. I actually wrote it in my notes as well. I was like, oh, fuck, Ray is going to die. And then Jean-Claude's going to revenge here. And I was like, this is how this is going to go. Because I didn't remember this movie. Like, I didn't yeah. have any of that in there. But it's so, you can see it coming a mile away. God. Oh, God and so. Yes. Chong Lee is next. He fights next. He's an absolute fucking beast. And we're told in the course of his fight that he kicked a guy in the throat and then watched him die. Now, he wins fast, but not as fast as Frank Dukes. Frank Dukes is facing off against his buddy from the fucking coin bet. Insane, yeah. And uh, it does not go well for that guy. <laughs> World <laughs> record. He fucking Frank, yeah. kicks him in the face and knocks out his gold tooth. Frank takes him down in about seven seconds. It's a new world record. And some kid gets a nice souvenir. He grabs the tooth kind of off the mat. And then we get another montage. We're back into the montage. We get some more clips, different fighters, different styles. And what a song we get here. The song is called <laughs> Fight to Survive. Yes. And they're just chanting, Kumite, 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 over and oh. over again. My God. So throughout the fights, the, the music is really good. You're getting like solid fight music. It's straight out of like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. It's super exciting. And then I laughed so so hard <laughs> when this fucking amazing fight to survive 80s ballad kumite comes on it like, is amazing it's an amazing song oh yes and I, in the montage there's absolutely no close fights like everyone is getting their ass kicked they're sort of pushing the story yeah. forward by showing us some of the other fights and it's just a domination clearly there's like four or five fighters who are way better than everyone else. and surprise you're the ones we saw in that montage at the beginning yeah they're yeah. getting us in there but as this is going on, yeah. we, we know where we're headed. We know exactly where this movie's headed. Chong Lee's going to take out Jackson. He's going to fight Frank Dukes at the end of this tournament. They're just laying this out for us. This is a fucking paint by numbers. Like, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. And you know what? I was I watching this movie, and even as a kid watching these movies, you didn't want there to be any doubt. You wanted them to lay it out for you. You just knew. They're yeah. just building this up exactly the way they should. And I love them for it. I think this is good <laughs> stuff. Yeah, we get that. And And... I think right after this montage is where we go back to those military police, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. And we get a little fish-out-of-water comedy here. They're trying to eat with the chopsticks. They're not good at it. Yeah. Forrest Whitaker can't fucking grab one of those chicken pieces to save his fucking life. <laughs> oh, man. And and this is where... Um, Inspector Chan. We go back to Inspector Chan, right? And this is where he dimes out Duke and lets those uh, military police know where this tournament's happening. So I still in my head thought this was like he's still involved in kind of the behind the scenes dirty business of the Kumite. I thought he was tipping them off where to find him to get him out of the Kumite. So that was my interpretation of it too. And I, th I still think that's why it happened, right? Like I still think he wanted Chong Li to win. He doesn't want someone to pose a risk to Chong Li's victory yeah so he wants the military police to take duke out of there because the tournament's still going to continue like these military police aren't oh, going to shut down the kumite they're just going to get their man out of there which really didn't make sense to me throughout the entire film like i didn't understand why he was so important to them that he couldn't fight in this tournament well like, when, and, and when they go like they go to they go to find him exactly where inspector chan said he was 
And he says, I'm happy to go back. I'll go back in two days when the tournament's over. And that's not good enough for them. Like, to your point, why couldn't they be like, all right, cool, two days? Like, they think he's going to die out there? I, I guess mean, that's maybe? what they weren't, yeah. they weren't willing to risk, right? He was such a weapon to them that they weren't willing to risk him to die in this Kumite tournament. I, that part to me was the part of this movie that I struggled with the most. I didn't understand yeah. that sort of kind of motivation. I guess it added to the problems of the things that we're facing our like lead character yeah his obstacles yeah, yeah. but uh it it just seems sort of shallow to me yeah i hear you and so they're they're gonna want to bring him back he doesn't want to go they pull tasers on him they're just carrying <laughs> these giant like gun style tasers but yeah. then jackson who i guess i think was a former football player he just comes in with like a textbook tackle takes them both out buys dukes a little bit like some time gets him a head start and we get a little foot race through the streets <laughs> of uh, Hong Kong there. He it's, loses them yeah, when he uh, when he runs across some boats and they both fall in the water, which is just, it was pretty fun. I like that. It, it was, there was this hilarious 80s song going on. The chase scene was super funny, laughable. They do fall in the water and they have like a, a thing with them. When Ray helps him get away, he tackles him and he says, I ain't your pal, dick face. Which is a pretty classy <laughs> line. I like that one. The tasers looked insane. They looked like something out of an old school cartoon. They were just huge. Yeah, they're big. Right? Like, but you that was the 80s. Someone. Yeah. Um, one thing about the chase that kept bothering me was JCVD would get like so far ahead and then he would stop and wait until they were <laughs> <laughs> catch up to that. I was like, come on, what are you doing? But he eventually gets away when they fall in the water, and then we cut to date night. Yeah, yeah. The reporter she wants in. She wants him to let her in. Oh my god! Uh, I just wrote down <laughs> me is what yeah. she really wanted, because <laughs> that is where she was headed. Well, Frank tells her there are strict rules about the Kumite. She asks about the military police who are after him, but then she quickly just abandons her whole line of questioning and the whole story she's there reporting for, just so they can go upstairs and bang. Yeah, she she wanted him to be her way in, but I guess his charm was so much that, like, one excuse or one sort of thing from him, and they're fucking. Uh, the next morning, we get <laughs> you know exactly what I'm gonna say. We get just a gratuitous, oh, oh. gratuitous shot of Jean Claude Van Damme like pulling up his fucking gitch. He's got these tight red briefs, and we get this quick shot in profile. And okay, I have to ask you this: Is he stuffing? so his looks fucking massive (laughs) (laughs) enormous this side profile that's hilarious i i didn't actually like notice the size as much as his ass like i felt like there was more emphasis on his ass because he definitely shows straight ass it was one of those where like normally you'd watch an action movie and you'd see like a naked woman where instead they yeah. show you JCVD, right? Um, the roles are reversed in that. In yeah. that but he tur- he does a brief turn. And you and get a little profile. He just he notice there's a grapefruit down there or something. He's <laughs> <laughs> a fucking cannon. I, uh, I, I, think I, had to like, I was like stunned. The next, the next morning, or I guess later that night, whatever. At some point, he leaves for the Kumite, uh, but she follows him. So maybe she's a better reporter than kind of we're giving her credit for here because maybe this was her plan. It was she'll you know lower his guard wait for him to leave, knowing that the next morning he's got to go to the Kumite, and then she just tracks him there. Sure enough, she's in there. And um, after a bit of comedy from Jackson, he tries the brick trick that Jean-Claude Van Damme did, but he kind of biffs it. So instead, he just smashes it on his head. And uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme with just a terrible line here. I hope we don't butt heads. That's fucking awful. <laughs> That's real bad. That's real bad. It's it's interesting. I like when we come back for the next day of the Kumite, we notice that they're sort of shrinking up the ring a little bit. Yep. There's some changes, and you can tell that things are ramping up. The The fighter expressions as they are getting warmed up for this next day of fighting was so laughable. Yeah, we get some great facial expressions. Oh, my God. I was just loving that part of it. 
when you're also loving the fact that we go right back to another montage. Uh, of course. That's good. Yeah. Say. <laughs> yeah. And we, we got... start setting up a like further setting up a Ray versus Chong Lee fight here. Yeah, I'll say. Well, Chong Lee cripples a dude just straight up because we see bone come through the skin. Yeah. Oh my god. JCBD yes, fights sure. some jacked guy. This guy points at him, he taunts, he flexes. And then uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme just two kicks him off the fucking runway for the win. Like, this fight lasts almost... I feel like it must have been last time than the last one. Yeah, there's some better. quick ones. I really enjoyed his next fight more, I think, when JCVT has to fight the sumo. Oh, yeah. Well, so this guy gets Jean-Claude Van Damme, like, in a splits position. But then he drags him along the mat, which uh, has no effect because Jean-Claude Van Damme is the master of the splits. In fact, when that dude charges him, he does the splits again and punches him right in the... <laughs> So I I had to stop the DVD. I was laughing so hard <laughs> because the fucking sumo was kind of tossing him around pretty he was, hard. A little bit, yeah. He had him in a bear hug. He was putting some damage on him. JCVD gave him a headbutt, which sort of softened yep. him up a little bit. But it was this like he uses that move that he used to crush the bricks, the uh, yeah. the death touch, straight d- shot, straight in his. C- and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at first you're like, oh, it's not going to do anything. But uh, in the oh, end, it drops him like a stone. It drops him down like a stone. I gave the movie a plus one enjoyable just for that scene. I wrote just it right down on this page. <laughs> <It's an> incredible, <laughs> yeah, the best d- shot. Of, well, of we them see all. here, perhaps because of the gratuitous d- shots. The same yes. way he gained favor with you, he's gaining favor with this crowd. We're getting some chance yes. for kind of like Frank Dukes. Dukes, Dukes, uh, Dukes. And, but now though, we knew it was coming. We get Jackson against Chong Lee. Yeah, and Chong Lee's mad because of the yeah. Duke's cheers. Like, well, he he's, doesn't like he's it. revved up hard here. Yeah, he's being upstaged by some fucking North American guy. Yeah. What now, the fuck? ahead of this fight, Frank tells Jackson to go for the gut. Chong yes. Lee's weak in the gut. Jackson does his own thing, though. He ignores it completely. But his own thing's kind of working, and he knocks Chong Lee down. He bloodies him. But for some uh, inexplicable reason, he doesn't finish him off. Yeah. He's just jumping up and down, saying his own name. He's, like he's trying to get the crowd to chant his own name. He's just like, Jackson, Jackson, Jackson. And like, this is where oh you, the Rocky syndrome is going to come true right here. Like, we're about to see. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, Chong Lee gets up and just destroys him. Yeah, I'm like, he's fucking dead. And sure enough, Jean-Claude Van Damme is Rocky in the Rocky Four spot where he, like, yells, no, stop. And then yeah. no was pretty fucking funny. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't well executed, that's for sure. But Mm-mm. this is where, like when we started watching the early Arnold movies, he, he's known for more his physical aspects than his uh, delivery of lines. I have to disagree with you in one point there, because Schwarzenegger, towards the, once he got established, he was great with those one Oh, absolutely. But I'm saying this is this is early in Jean-Claude's right. career. I don't know if Van Damme ever got there, though, with the one-liners. <laughs> I don't think that's the same thing. Okay, you might be right. He never had the same comic delivery, I think, uh, as... No, Arnold, definitely sure. not. No. Anyway, Chong Lee stomps Jackson's head, taunts Frank Dukes with Jackson's bandana... Yeah, steals it off his head and taunts him. Like, and, uh, yeah. At I'm this point, the crowd, you. the crowd is firmly for Chong Lee. Yeah, they might totally. have been on Frank Dukes yeah. for a minute, but now they are chanting Chong Lee, Chong Lee, Chong Lee. Turns out Jackson's not dead, so it's not a full Rocky Four. He's not yeah. quite dead. The I was relieved. I was happy. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't. I don't want Ray to die. No, you know what? He's a lovable goofball. He was the you comic know. relief. It, it was sort of a, a hilarious portrayal of Americans. He's like a fun caveman. Yeah. But uh, Doctor says he'll be okay. It must be that hard head he has. Head and, like a rock. Yeah, exactly. And this is where Jean-Claude Van Damme swears revenge. Mm-hmm. And the reporter's totally against it. Yeah, she's Jenny's like, pissed. Fuck out of here. Yeah. We get this big dramatic scene where he tries to make her understand why he's doing this. Why did you become a reporter? My father was a reporter. I was a good writer. It seemed like the right thing for me to do. And you want to be the best reporter you can be, right? Yes, that's right. Well, I'm just trying to be the best I can be. 
This is him, just Jean-Claude Van Damme going for the Oscar. I just wrote down <laughs> so many fake feelings. That was exactly what I saw in this God, one. you could just see the yeah. acting happening. And then the better acting comes immediately after from our friend Victor. Well, she storms out, though. The girl yeah, storms oh, out. gone. Yeah, she's pissed. And yeah, Lita's like, forget the girl. <laughs> Eyes on the prize. We got, we got to win this Kumite. Yeah, right? Victor's throwing down the Oscar performance in this movie. He must have put a little money down on JCVD, right? Uh, you would think so, based on how much he wants him to win, or maybe yeah, he gets like paid more if uh, oh. if one of the people he's training, like a bonus, because he's putting it in hard. He's definitely trying to motivate JCVD right here. Yeah, I believe it. After this, though, the reporter goes to the police. She can't. She can't abide this anymore. She's in love with him. He can't die. Yeah, she's trying to get the Kumite shut down before someone else gets hurt. They've been together for one night. Yeah, and again, I, at this point, I'm st- I'm still like, there's some kind of conspiracy here. She's gonna end up disappearing because of this. Like, in my mind, I wrote down, like, I'm not sure that's a good idea. None of this ever becomes a thing. I don't know yeah. if we're making this up in our heads, like, ex- like expecting a plot that wasn't there, but yeah. I swear in that you scene, You think there the should have been more? I, I really think the only thing the inspector was trying to do was to get Dukes out so Chong Lee wouldn't have competition. I feel like the inspector threw a bet on Chong Lee. That's very possible. Right? Like, I feel like that's where they were. This. After she goes to the... Oh, my God. We get the bus scene. This is the introspective montage. Yes, that's it. On the bus, right? Holy Lord. We get all these flashbacks, uh, including one from like fucking five minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) And this is another song, I think, written for the movie. Yes. Um, And Do you know the name of the song? I don't. I'll tell you. It's so appropriate. What is it? The name of this song is On My Own Slash alone <laughs> <laughs> and it is it is a it is an amazingly appropriate 80s ballad like so i i i sat there just singing along and loving this moment while going through jcvd's turmoil it yeah was this amazing. is this is a real ballad you called the earlier song a ballad which kind no. of is this is a straight up the other ballad. one is the, the the first one was more of like a power ballad rock yeah. song like we were getting into those kind of 80s but this is just a straight up like wallowing i'm sad ballad it oh, is god damn it i was laughing the whole time because it's oh. just it's so on the nose that's unbelievable I, I wrote down is this written for the movie and then i had to look it up later Ooh, yes we also get more splits in this montage for some reason he's doing it <laughs> <I don't know laughs> well you have to right you have to show jcbd doing the splits because it is his best move that's how he goes to his his relaxing emotional places by doing yeah. more splits but i love this so the, the music's great we get this montage and then where does he end up? The next day, Frank Deuce is walking to the tournament, and the cops are waiting. We got a little alley ambush here, but he quickly dispatches them, and then he gets the drop on the military police. And uh, just in time, too, because they're about ready to call his fight a forfeit. He's not in the building for the Kumite. Yeah. They're going to call it. Everything he, he is against all odds. I was actually hoping for a third ballad right here. I was hoping that, <laughs> that it would be called against all odds and it would start playing at this very moment as he overcomes everything to get to the ring just in time. That's pretty funny. So I think this is the semifinals. Uh, his opponent cheap shots him to start and then they're just trading kicks back and forth. It's like just like 12 kicks, one after the other, just literally. But eventually the other guy just can't take it anymore and he drops. And that's pretty much it. And then we get the other semifinal. Well, it's Chong Lee, and he just rolls. He rolls through this matchup. Yeah, so this one is pretty intense. Like, Chong Lee is destroying a much smaller guy. The other guy puts a bit of damage on Chong Lee early, but it's clearly just not a, a physical comparable match. And once the other guy is out, Chong Lee fucking snaps his neck. Oh, big time. It's a straight-up murder. It's he a, murders it's a him. legit murder. He, he murders him on the mat, and... It's interesting because everyone in the stadium, including the organizers and everything, they all get up and turn their back. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. So after it happens, there's no cheering. They like they're showing him that 
moment of that is beyond what you should be doing. You know who doesn't care though? Fucking Chong Lee because he no. celebrates. You see the way he celebrates? Yeah, he's jumping up and pumping there. his arms up and yeah. down in this celebration. It's so and, strange. And he goes and he points, or I think he points he at JCVD, oh, he, right? Yeah, he's just him. saying like, this is your next. Like, he literally says, you are next. This is a pure intimidation move, clearly. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, and you're right. That that that's actually a great meme. I've had people sending that one to me lately. <laughs> you are next. <laughs> and his expressions are like just insane. I was about to use the word ridiculous, but I pulled back. He has just the most over exaggerated expressions yeah. after he murders this man, and he's throwing it out at him. And sure enough, Frank Deuce is next. This is it. We are in the finals. We see tons of money changing hands. There's bets being made. As we're getting ready, we see Chong Lee's corner man slip something into his trunks and i'm like i couldn't it looked like a pill i didn't a know mint. i thought he threw a mint in his fucking trunks so i was like i thought why? it was a pill and i was like i cannot imagine this guy would need more steroids we also see that he's got jackson's bandana tied on his leg as a little fuck you to frank dukes and to really drive it home he fucking reminds him and just like points at it they're doing a good job of setting him up as the final big bad like you fucking hate chong lee well, he's a real dick. You see like, him kill a guy. You see him cr- like cripple a guy. You see him taunt JCVD. Yeah, they did a good friend. job. Like I, I have to credit them definitely for that because I, I want Chong Lee to go down hard. He cannot take out JCVD, right? Was there ever a doubt in your mind? Come on. The fight's on. They are trading shots to start, and Chong Lee kind of gets the advantage. He throws him around a little bit, but as the music picks up, so does Frank's performance. And in my mind, I'm like, it's like a chicken egg thing. Like, is the music picking up because of performance? Or can he actually hear the music? Like, is this, is this like. It's all actually just coming from his head. Like in South Park, where Randy Marsh is fighting those dudes and he's singing, You're the Best Around. <laughs> exactly. I wrote yeah. it out. I was like, is, like, which of this is causing which thing? Is his fighting causing or is the music causing his fighting? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, man. So Chong Lee is down. He crushes up that kind of tablet, the pill he was handed earlier. I think it's salt. It's a blind powder. Whatever kind of... Yeah, yeah. he throws it in uh, Frank Dukes' eyes. He's blind, and he starts taking some damage. Now, Chong Lee's really feeling himself here, but what he doesn't know is that Frank Dukes has extensive blindfold training, (laughs) which... (laughs) Which he fortunately, uh, you after know. he starts taking a heavy beating, he starts remembering the training where he just got beat to like shit for months and months, and so he he decides, okay, I need to start meditating and get control of shit. Wait, are you gonna talk about his facial expressions and the scream? His facial expressions are out of control. He looks like Frankenstein's monster to me. He goes through <laughs> that moment where he just like almost comes to life like a monster he's getting electricity through him. shaking and he's fucking yeah. he's like all and, veiny. Oh and I God. think this is maybe, other than the splits, this is the most famous moment for JCVD Just the ever. rage, the guttural well, The blood scream. coming out of his eyebrow, right? Or is, is yeah. it a mouth, side of his mouth or his eyebrow? And he just lets out that insane scream. And he remembers. He remembers all his training. And Chong Lee goes to attack. But Frank catches his arm and starts just kicking his ass based only on sound. Yes. He doesn't yeah. need sight. He nope. is fucking a master right? now he swings four straight roundhouse kicks that miss then we get a split jump because once again he's got to work the splits yeah. in but then several spinning roundhouse kicks connect and chong lee is down but frank doesn't want the knockout he wants the submission is he choking him at this point he yells at him to submit yeah, and I sure do enough yeah. chong lee does frank dukes takes back the bandana he wins and Surprise, he earns a katana. They bring him a sword as his trophy for winning this tournament. We get a very tender hospital scene where Jean-Claude Van Damme gives Jackson a little kiss and tells him he loves him. Then it's off to the airport and we're out, but not before. We get a freeze frame. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking freeze frame. I got a couple things to say. The fighting after he went blind 
looked a lot to me like skating ice dance. Uh, It was so well (laughs) choreographed that I I felt like there was ice dancing, but I love the spin kick to win and then him screaming, say it, say it, right? Getting him. Oh, he wants it. He wants that submission. When we get to that scene of them in the hospital, I love that we find Ray drinking a beer in his fucking hospital bed because that's hilarious. I like to imagine that Frank Dukes brought him that beer. And this fits with what I'm going to say right now. The romance in this movie, the real romance. Oh, come on. Don't say it. It's Frank and Ray. <laughs> it is the real romance that came out of this movie. I believe they're in love. And and this is <laughs> this is how I felt at the end of the movie. I felt Frank and Ray were really the romance. That reporter woman, she's nothing, right? Well, I mean, Frank leaves her on the fucking tarmac at the airport, yeah. cold turkey. Just yeah. like gives her she's a little gone. wave. He's like, out of there. And then we get the freeze frame into another amazing 80s it's song. True. So true. I mean, the soundtrack is on point for this. Oh, my God. It's just... It's so good. It hit all of the right notes for me in so, terms of soundtrack. Yeah. So I'm very excited to hear your ratings for this movie. For anyone who has not tuned in before, the way this works, we rate the movie two times. We give it a one to 10 for how bad it is. We give it a one to 10 for how enjoyable it is. And the ultimate goal that we've only ever achieved one time is to have a 10 out of 10 bad, 10 out of 10 enjoyable, or as we call it, the Crit Crit Okay. So uh, this is the point where we rate this thing, and I will tell you, uh, I can't give this a ten out of ten because for which sorry for for how bad it is. Oh, yeah, I, as, just, as much can. as this There's movie no is kind of a, a, a paint by numbers '80s action movie, it's yeah. not like poorly made. They check all the boxes, they're doing all the right things. I'm only giving this a seven out of ten for how bad it is. Yeah, I was gonna say if it was only that section of child acting, it would be like an eleven out of I was ten. Gonna- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would we would blow past our markers because I know yeah. how you feel about that on a scale of one to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is terrible. He is awful, but you cannot say that. Sorry about that, everyone. Okay, I would say for me, for bad, uh, I had a lot of trouble with the acting. The overtop expressions were just a lot. I think that somewhat adds to the enjoyability of a bad movie, but it was a lot. I also saw- thought it was incredibly predictable. So, I mean, oh, of course, like, we've that is, about that. Yeah. that's the problem uh, I had for it. So, I gave it a seven bad as well. Oh, that's not that bad. Yeah, that's, so no, it's yeah, not It's not, not horrible. It's not a horrible movie. It's not clearly. a bad movie. We, this is not going to make the Hall of Fame because it's too never. good, too well-known a movie. It is. Now, how enjoyable, though? This one was a challenge for me to rate for enjoyability. Um, is this is the first time that I remember watching it through. Huge fan of martial arts films. Huge fan of Jean-Claude Van Damme. So I thought immediately this was a 10 out of 10, right? Like, I thought going in, that's where we were going to sit. I would have no argument if you named it a 10. Which is fair, right? And I love the music. I love the the action. Uh, I found that the story moved a little slow, and I felt that the part with the like military police was just completely unnecessary and annoying to me. Yeah, that really didn't go anywhere. Now I, that I think about it, that was a really kind of a the, giant waste of time. It took away from me. Adding. So, Padding. padding. Oh no, is this the theory? So I was actually going to give it an eight, but because I love that fucking punch so much, it's definitely a nine for me. I also gave it a nine. Um, The only thing about this movie that I didn't like, you mentioned it's very predictable, a clear delineation of what's going to happen to everyone. We called it from the jump. We were absolutely right. The kid is so fucking bad at acting. <laughs> Those flashback scenes are so brutal. The flashbacks are just, so bad you oh took away God. a point of enjoyable. Yeah. I'm like, this, this kid's yeah. awful. He's awful. I really want to find out what he's done. 
I, I think uh, I'm going to make it a point to see what, what's uh, happened to uh, the Yes, team. let's search him. And if he's had a long storied career, good for you overcoming what must have been. If he's had a long storied career. Huge obstacles. I think you need to chug a beer in our next cast. You know what? If All that right. kid has acted one more day in his life beyond Bloodsport, I will absolutely chug a beer at the beginning of our next episode because that kid is fucking awful. He should have been. <laughs> if he wasn't American, they should have deported him after this movie. He's fucking trash. It's a super enjoyable movie. Van Damme is just great. My only bad thing is the kid. I was going to give it an 8 also, but the freeze frame, I automatically give it a point for a freeze frame ending. Wow. I'm up to 9 as well. It's going to be an 8 from both um, of us. Wow. No, it's a 9 from both of us. Well, it is now, but it would yeah. have been if it, yeah, okay. Cool. No, a lot of fun. You can't go wrong with Bloodsport. Yeah. So happy that we watched this and so happy that we're talking about it here. And uh, this beer, I mean, I love this beer. <laughs> it's nice and light. It's crushable. I'm on my third one right now in the course of us filming this episode. Yeah, I took Not down filming. two. I'm about to uh, get another one. Uh, I definitely really enjoy Blood Bar as well. I'm not normally a Pilsner Lager person, but I found it super smooth, really clean. I love the amber color and the soup, like the malty caramel flavor is delicious. And now we're going to have a picture on our social media of the beer because one of our requests that we got from social media followers was we want more beer porn. Yeah. So we are going to start trying to provide more beer porn. We'll take a picture of both our beers we're drinking and well we uh, already did with our bonus episode but it, we did it again for this one and we'll keep yeah, it up for the um, next little I, while. I kind of think of this beer as like a good steam whistle Ooh, yeah. shots fired at I know. the and fine I'm sorry. people at steam whistle and that was like one of our first if not sorry, our it was first, our, our, very our first, first episode and i feel bad steam whistle is not a bad beer but definitely blood brothers does it better uh blood brothers strongly recommend if you're ever in toronto if you're ever in ontario and you can order it get on get on there because blood brothers is delicious good stuff and uh, I feel like this episode was a lot of fun. I had a good time with it. I'm glad we're back. Yes, me too. Next week, we're going to be watching just an 80s horror. Now, I don't want to call it a masterpiece. This is a movie that really did not do that well at the box <laughs> office, but it's a lot of fun. I'm and intrigued. What is it? It's Night of the Creeps. Oh, I don't know anything about this. I'm not surprised because this movie, like, it's, it's so much an 80s movie. I think you're going to have a good time. Hopefully, everyone else does too. You join us again next week. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the BMB Podcast. If you have any suggestions, uh, please send them over to us at the BMB Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and until next time, uh, I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. We'll see you next week on Bad Movies of Beer. Keep it kicking. The true story of the ultimate champion. 